Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous. Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous Film Twitter.com, and this is the Mr. Movies Podcast. bunch of cutthroats, villains, and scoundrels I have ever seen, so who hired them? <gasps> For the episode, we do Muppets Treasure Island first, and then I really bring down the mood with Shan on Deleu. But the thing was, that was a very silly movie. Yeah, I was in, I, I did not, I did not get brought down by it at all. Harry, what I was shocked by was like, you didn't, you set this up, you fucking got our asses, dude. I did not know that Muppet Treasure Island was a direct remake of Unshi and Andalou. <laughs> like, when they, when they held Gonzo by the nose and dragged that razor across his Muppet eye, that was that was nuts. I was not ready for that. Yeah, I, they are calling this the worst double feature in human history. <laughs> what I thought was crazy was um, there wasn't a dog in that movie at all, Andalusian or otherwise. It's almost like those guys were... We're always doing drugs. What, what the heck were they smoking? <laughs> um, but this was something uh, that I enjoyed quite a lot that I found out um, when I was like looking at the IMDb from Muppets Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. You know the the bad Polly, the the talking lobster. Yes. Yeah. You know who did that voice? Who did who? it? Uh, Elmo. That was Elmo. Really? Kevin Clash. That's cool. yeah. Beautiful. Hell yeah. That's really cool. It's it's funny. I imagine that um, the puppeteering community is pretty incestuous in the way that they just hire each other because there's like right. nine people who do it. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. when if the Pawn Stars if they're like, all right, he's got this original run Muppet. All right, I, I gotta call my Muppet guy, and there's it's just the same dude. It's the the dude who's bringing the Muppet in his phone rings. Yeah, that's really funny. Imagining a guy being like, "Yo, yo, I've I've got this guy we could hire for this. He he does this uh this puppeteering. It's really good." And they're like, "We know it's fucking Jim Henson. Yeah. Like, we know." <laughs> <laughs> you you did not find a diamond in the rough. It is Jim. <laughs> it's Jim Henson. It's Frank Oz, and it's Kevin Clash. Like, <laughs> that's the list. I love that there's like a minor league for the Muppets. Oh yeah, all the up and coming guys. They finally bring you up when you really put a full set of teeth in Dr. Funk and the Midfusion Band or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, actually, Kevin Clash did uh, stop working for a while. He's back now, but um, in like 2012, someone made some unsubstantiated abuse allegations against him and then because he was Elmo and he didn't want any of that to like fuck with Sesame Street, he just quit. Mm. Probably for the best. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not making light of abuse accusations, <laughs> but yeah. the thought of him doing it in the voice is really funny. <laughs> 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 All right, I should probably do a little disclaimer here before we get too, uh, too into the weeds. Uh, we yeah. all have our voices gone for different reasons right now. Oh, yeah. Hey, am I clipping yeah. real? Harry, you see that picture? Am I clipping too hard? I'm you're, you're, you're clipping pretty hard. Do you yes. want to go ahead and start over? I mean, no, I won't start over. I just have a horrible cut in the middle where I sound better afterwards. Okay. So I'm turning the game what I think is down. Oh, there you go. Oh, 
it's not. It's, you, I'm getting the shit out of this. You had it in the middle for a minute there. I did, but it was just because I was talking at a normal volume, and that's not going to be something I'm able to be consistent with. How do I make it less sensitive? Is there is there some numbing cream I can put on the tip of this that'll make it not clip so hard? Heebity 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 heebity. Hi 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 hi. See, that's what I'm going to talk like. This is this is all fucking staying in, man. Yeah, yeah you just need to turn the gain down. Yeah, <laughs> just turn... that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, just turn the gain down. You're good. We will turn your volume up. All right. So, um, <laughs> now that now that we have blown my ears out in the edit, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and have um, uh, officially got gotten our shit together. Uh, we are doing what I'm calling the worst double feature of all time. Uh, it is. Muppet Treasure Island and Unshian Andalu. And I know that that seems hecking random. There's a reason behind this. Uh, one is I am currently reading through a book that connects a bunch of the prominent surrealists to one of the most prolific serial killers in United States history that I really wanted to talk about. And Unshian Andalu is a very good uh, vessel for me to do that. But most importantly, Jimmy, you are a fascinating creature. You have seen in your life, what was it, under ten movies? Yeah, it's probably it's probably close to twenty at this point, but yeah, very Got you. shockingly few. I'm media illiterate, so you're welcome. Yeah, you. We were going through the list of movies that you had seen, and it was like yeah. Airbud, Airbud yeah. Two. Yeah. Air Buddies. <laughs> and then there was like the outrageous Baron Munchausen. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Like, Only the Cherry Julian one, though. Which is just mind blowing. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. So we were going through it and we're like, what What would be the movie that has like the most to talk about it? And you're like, oh, my favorite movie of all time would be good. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, that movie and, is yeah, I'm really good. glad you. Yeah, I'm really glad you had me watch it. I'd never seen it before. Uh, I grew up in a household that was not Muppet friendly. Muppet the tool. We had to do all our puppeteering in the bathroom with the window open so our parents wouldn't find out. <laughs> yeah, I Dad, you got a knock. My mom couldn't hear my puppeteering if I turned the shower on and <laughs> used a little less conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> imagining imagining your dad coming in you just be like son how what you doing he didn't knock and he just hears a zip and it's you putting your arm back in your zip up hoodies he doesn't know you're puppeteering so when I looked at your search history I noticed there's a lot of uh, foam tutorials and I just wanted to know I wanted you to know it's totally natural uh, it's a phase a lot of us go through when you're your age but you you need to wait uh, I will totally cut this from the episode. Did your dads have a jacking off talk with you guys? Oh, yeah. No, My, I didn't, yes. uh, like, have a dad. Josh, I'm sorry that that was your answer. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad had it with me, and it was just way too early, apparently, because I remember he, uh, he had to sit, we were sitting, we were sitting in the living room, and he had the sliding door closed, so it was just me, his oldest, and him. He's not done this before, and I was too smart, but also too stupid at, I don't know, fucking 11, maybe? Uh, and he, he turns to me and goes, he's, cause I, I don't know, he caught, he caught me doing what he thought was porn. And so, looking at it, to be clear. <laughs> it was just putting like two, uh, cantaloupes together and yeah, being, exactly. like, doing the wolf eyes There was something where he was like, alright, probably time to talk about this. But I was just being a dumbass. And so he, he's like, you know, Jimmy is totally natural for kids your age and I want you to know, there's nothing wrong with masturbating. And I turned to him and I looked my father dead in the eyes and I said, 
what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he said, uh, nah, never mind, go outside and play. <laughs> and he never brought it up again. Mr. Errol, lock those three up for the remainder of the voyage. Yes, sir. You can't hold that from the do you want to put Valerie on mic and give her the? Uh... What did you um? What did you think of Muppets Treasure Island, Valerie? I did. I have to turn it off early because you told me Muppets were scary. <laughs> yeah, so I had to. I had to finish watching it on my computer because she said Muppets were scary. That's such a happened? funny thing to have to do. It's like, <laughs> you stay in this room. Daddy's watching Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he still feels shame because of his upbringing. He knows he's yeah. gonna watch his Muppets in private. Yeah, I, I stand over the toilet and watch Muppets on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right, so uh, we watched Muppets Treasure Island, and Jimmy, you yeah. being as as um selective as you've been with media throughout your entire life oh, yeah. what was it about Muppets Treasure Island that uh, absolutely hooked you uh, well Key was getting seeing it at an impressionable age you know uh, so I saw it when I was appropriately aged for it from like 6 or 7 or something and uh, the soundtrack whips it's so good every song it is that, incredibly good every song in that movie hits and hits hard uh, and that's good with children as you know uh, and then uh Beyond that, my parents also thought it was funny, and my dad would play along pretty often with like the bits and the uh, and the songs, which is very exciting. So you know, we, we just good. get into it. We have a great time. Josh, were you a big Muppets guy? Um, I re- we always watched the show when that was on. One of my all-time favorites is Muppets Christmas Carol. I actually hadn't seen Treasure Island, but oh yeah, respect. I've seen Carol. I've seen Christmas Carol a million times. Um, mm-hmm. That was always a classic. And, you know, my mom's a big fan of it, too. She's a big singer. And we had the soundtrack in um, in her car. And I remember I would always get mad <laughs> when she'd sing along in her singing voice and not, like, mimic the Muppet voice. <laughs> like, Mom, it's not how it goes. Doing It's Not Easy Being Green, but, like, in a beautiful falsetto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we were never a Muppets household. Uh, we didn't do Sesame Street either. We didn't do Mr. Rogers for some what reason. What the hell? Yeah, it's fascinating growing up. Did not want him to be well-adjusted. Your parents were like, were like oh, you, can only, you can only watch Barney and Teletubbies. Harry, do you do this podcast instead of going to therapy? <laughs> you know, my wife and I actually just had a conversation about that last night. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In short, I've got to start going. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's good for you, dude. You should go. I've been. It's great. The Muppets, looking at it, I can totally see why this had, like, a hook on American youth. Uh, yeah. The, the stuff that I loved about it is this did the whole bridging the gap of, like, referential humor and stuff in a way that isn't as obnoxious as, like, millennial humor is now. Where, you know, like, like millennial humor will do things where it's like, they'll, like, look directly at the camera and be like, can you believe this is happening? Mm-hmm. But, like, it, all throughout the Muppets movie, there's, like, things where they're like, all right, people are going to want the Swedish chef. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. And they're like, yeah. 
Like, so he's just like cooking, doing his whole thing, and they're like, "Yeah, this is the only way we could put him in the movie, you freaks." <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> moved on from it, and I really do feel like that is how you do that, right? Yeah. Like I, I wasn't expecting to get like hearty belly laughs out of something oh, yeah. that was like TV movie Tim Curry era. Yes, and it works. I think I think the element in it that I've got it was the first thing I've written down after the do that was on the old uh, Disney logo was uh, we need more whimsy in all movies like yeah. for all time this this I think the reason that it works so well and that like kids like it and adults could tolerate it is because the whimsy was the bridging character oh, and it's just it. generally pretty clever um, and uh, but one note that I do have here was that um, Mrs. Balveridge thick as hell I also uh, <laughs> sorry actually I have a quote damn I like big lady written down <laughs> I liked so many of the insults and stuff in it like squid sucking buccaneer that's oh that's good the like that whole the whole roll call scene is probably the funniest oh. bit. I laughed really hard. I laughed so hard when they did really old Tom, and then I like was almost in tears when they did dead Tom. Right after that, I was not <laughs> ready for dead Tom. What what was the name of the girl? Oh, that was uh, big fat ugly faced baby eating O'Brien. <laughs> it's just like the hottest woman. <laughs> yeah, and then right after them, Angel Marine. And then it was big fat ugly faced baby eating O'Brien. <laughs> and Sweetums. Sweetums. Yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. Old Tom. Hey, hey. Real old Tom. Hey. Dead Tom. Hey, hey. Big fat ugly bug faced baby eating O'Brien. Aye. Angel Marie. Aye. Aye. Speaking of these, like, uh, these scenes where, you, where they were doing, like, the roll calls, one of the things that I thought was, like, shocking is just how well composed all of the, the puppets were. They, they, they did it in a way that was almost like a theater play, or like, like a stage play, I mean, where, like, they, they, like, tiered the puppets in ways where it was such a well-composed shot, and they had them all dance in a way that, like, I, I shouldn't be saying we should go back to the cinematography. Like, like if the Muppets are doing shots better composed than a lot of modern cinema, sh- shit has gone wrong. <laughs> well, what else you should think about is perhaps these puppet perverts are, like, drunken master. Like the fact that they're using <laughs> Muppets for this is just fucked up, but their their skills are unparalleled. They're lethal, and they definitely just enjoy lying in the gutter. That is yeah. the kind of cinema that true is. true artists of pure pleasure. Yes, you the, know? Dia- the Diogenes of furry hands. <laughs> 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 Completely butt naked man holding up a Kermit puppet, saying, "This is a man." <laughs> <laughs> Um, another thing that really tripped me up, and I need to stop being tripped up by this. Yeah. Uh, but Hans Zimmer composed the music for this movie. Yeah, yeah. like like Hans Zimmer. I mean, now we just kind of associate him with uh, the famous trailer sound. Yeah. You know the loud horns that he ran through the um, the modulator, whatever you call That's that thing. That's actually the Muppet Gong, just just pitched down. <laughs> That's all it is. It's the Muppet Gong pitched down. <laughs> Okay, I think I have finally retrieved my notes from Valerie. She <laughs> <laughs> No, she kept taking them and holding them out and going, You want it? 
And then if I grab for it, she'd run off with it. <laughs> She's so great. But I, I don't know if you guys came up with any of these, but since, like, the two best Muppet movies are the ones where they adapted classic stories. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun if they just, like, did a few more. Yep, yep. Like, they probably wanted to at some point and just didn't for whatever reason. But um, I've, I've, I was thinking uh, a Muppet's Heart of Darkness would be really... Oh, that'd be um, so really good because yeah. you could have. Um, I have two two casting choices here, uh, so you could have Kermit as Charlie Marlowe, um, you know, narrating the story, yeah. and then uh, Gonzo playing Kurtz. Ooh, Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> that's um, good. But ideally, it wouldn't work anymore because he's dead now. But ideally, you would have Dennis Hopper reprising his role <laughs> as you know the jester or fanatic who uh, <laughs> worships so Kurtz. Good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because Dennis Hopper is dead, my other thought was you'd still stick with the Gonzo Kurtz, and you have Rizzo as the jester, and then uh, Timothy Chalamet plays Marlo. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's really good. I like the because because I haven't read Heart of Darkness, but I have seen you know like Apocalypse Now a billion times. I do think it's really funny imagining the scene where they like for real kill the bull, and it's just <laughs> them doing it with whatever that giant fuzzball's name is, <laughs> just lopping his head off. Uh, that one's really good. I got a big kick out of imagining it. Um, uh, th- them doing Brave New World. Um, the only other note I have for this idea was uh, a Muppet Sound and the Fury, and uh, the only put- thing I put was Leonardo DiCaprio as Benji. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so good. I had uh, Citizen Kermit written down, and I also had uh, Muppet Pride and Muppet Prejudice. I feel like the yeah. Muppet Pride and Prejudice has been on the cutting room floor of the Jim Henson Company for decades. Uh, Muppets all quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> no country for old Muppets. I would see. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um. Uh, blood Muppetian. Yeah, let's just kind of say blood Muppetian. <laughs> I'd want I'd want Anton Sugar to be played by Fozzie Bear, though. That would do it for me. <laughs> Actually, that's the most you've ever lost on a coin flip, man. <laughs> Putting the cattle prod up to your head and going waka waka. <laughs> His fucking puppet head turning slowly away from the shower curtain as he pulls the trigger on the silenced shotgun. <laughs> and Muppet Fur just pops over the top of the curtain and falls down like confetti. And actually, No Country for Old Ben really does also work because you could, of course, have Statler and Waldorf just pop up and it'd be like, oh, looks like this isn't a movie for us. No! <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny knowing that, like, I could just do this for, like, four straight hours. Oh my God. <laughs> Why not? We're here for it. Of Mice and Men. <laughs> it's Fozzie and Bear men. and Kermit. <laughs> There's a lot of really good uh, practical gags all throughout this movie oh, yeah. that I loved. One of them being a bit that has completely disappeared from the collective conscience, mm. which is a guy running with a gun gunpowder keg leaving yes. a trail behind him yes. that lighting and then it chasing the people as I, they run away from I have that oh, yeah. too. I love that so fucking much yeah I feel like Muppet Cannery Row Muppet Cannery Row I had to say that yeah <laughs> I feel like Die Hard 2 is probably why that died 
because there, there's a scene when the, the plane's leaving and it's leaving jet fuel and then he just goes yippee guy motherfucker and he just drops his lighter on it and then the the jet fuel tray just or, or the, the line of it just goes immediately into the plane and makes it explode <laughs> and yeah. i feel like we, we just kind of hit the penultimate there yeah yeah that that was one thing that was uh Get, get, getting a big old laugh out of me uh, throughout this movie is uh, imagining them refusing to do any practical effects with this and then opting for CGI instead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like like the scene with, with, with the large woman where she just kind of just starts like clubbing yeah. like all these like zombie pirate Muppets. Um, yes. Knowing that like modern day that would be uh, just kind of pushed out to like a southeastern Asian uh, VFX studio yep, where they yep. aren't allowed to unionize and they're mm-hmm. working 16 hours a day. Yep. And just knowing that one guy spends two years working on the hair physics of like one zombie Muppet <laughs> being ragdolled through the air when like the best option is literally just take it and throw it because it's way funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, actually, the, the other thing with that is like they actually did use a lot of CGI in this movie where like if you if you look at the making of it's just a bunch of dudes with green socks on their hands they're holding them up as if they are puppets <laughs> and they use that as the rig to actually put the CGI puppets on top of it's all green oh yeah 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 they use those uh, famous mocap gloves right yeah where yeah. you like put the ping pong balls yeah. on them. <laughs> yeah and the ones they couldn't edit out that's just where they put the Muppet eyes yeah <laughs> which ones are his eyes which ones are his eyes <laughs> You look me in the fucking ping pong balls and I'm talking to you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm really, really glad that they got right in this movie is that uh, the society of fairness that maritime pirates had for the crew on their ships, there's that whole song where all they do is talk about uh, like how even of a share you would get oh, if yeah. you found this treasure, mm-hmm. which is just like more accurate than it isn't. <laughs> yeah. And it was like... It's just really funny knowing that, like, there's, like, a mercantile company that, you know, solely looking out for profits. Whatever you get, we need half of it because we loaned you the ship and everything. And then the pirates are like, actually, the ship is mine. And everyone's getting an even piece of the pie. (laughs) Um, Oh, one thing we completely forgot to bring up, Mm. and you could do a really funny leftist think piece on this. (laughs) Like, imagine, like, a Medium article about this. Right. But um, Fozzie Bear's uh, character as the rich half-wit son that has a band named Bimbo in his finger. Mr. Bimbo. So fun. Did did Bimbo mean that when this movie came out? It's B-I-M-B-L-E. It's Mr. Bimble, and it's the way he... It's, the, it's Bozzy's accent. It's not Mr. Bimbo. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's not Bimbo. Well, let's just say that it is Mr. Bimbo. Cut all this. Yeah, it may... It... I mean, that's what the that's what the closed captioning said. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to watch movies with subtitles on unless I don't know the language, and it's solely because I can't pay attention to the movie. Yeah. Oh, I always watch with subtitles because I... I can be pretty bad at, like, processing language sometimes. Oh, I make sure the subtitles are off because I cannot read. <laughs> it, it always intimidates me. No. <laughs> I feel like the filmmaker's mocking me. Mm-hmm. I'm paying yep. you money to bully me. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, it'd be really funny to do a, a think piece on that. You know, it's just like, you know, like, like, this is the actual aristocracy or these, like, rich half-wit sons that just kind of lend out their capital to whoever asks for it. And then for some reason, always recoup the costs. And it's just really mm-hmm. funny imagining doing that when one guy just has a bimbo in his finger. <laughs> <laughs> just being like, 
like, like the neo-feudal politics of Muppets Treasure Island. <laughs> Absolutely correct. I'm, and it's got like... Line was, oh, what else are rich half-wit sons for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are like so many moments in this where you can just tell that like all the actors who wrote this are in a union because they're really quick to dismiss that people who fund things... <laughs> You know, that, like the people who are you know responsible for you know dumping a hundred million dollars in the movies are probably like dumb halfwit sons that for some reason have just inherited a portion of like Harvey Weinstein's fortune. Absolutely, you know? fuck them, fuck them, literally fuck them, mm-hmm. literally. Please oh, fuck yeah. them. Oh yeah, I need you to fuck them. Um, the other big takeaway I had from this movie, you know, like it's a prime Tim Curry vehicle. Because it was, it's a movie that looks like it's made for TV, which that is Tim Curry's, like, that is his bread and butter. Uh, like, the It movies, or It movie, sorry, um, being, like, you know, just Tim Curry at his best. The Clue movie, I would argue, is also one that seems like it was made directly for TV that's also a huge joy. Um, I was going to ask you guys, um, do you think that uh, Kermit the Frog using his sword to undress Tim Curry as a pirate caused anybody to have a fetish? Oh, end of one, I can confirm that, yeah. (laughs) Someone did. Someone did for sure. We're not going to say who. That's got to be a legit thing, right? Where it's like... I want a, fr- I want a frog, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His hands are so slippery all the time. I have this for the, for the, uh, made. Harry, I'm gonna eat this cracker, and then I'm gonna talk into your body. <laughs> Alright? Give me a fucking second. I want you to know, you just doing that is already, like, <sighs> like 50% more effort anybody's put into any other podcast that exists. <laughs> like, okay. every podcast openly loathes their audience. Like, they were like, you are hogs. We're going to make an episode where it's just me eating. And I'm just going to slurp jello into this hi-fi mic. And people go, I'm going to give this guy $35 a month. <laughs> and with mine, I'm like, I love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then the subscribers just start going down. Yes. No, I was thinking uh, it was we were watching it. And you said the made-for-TV movies vibe. Um, and, I, and I thought about Tim Curry. And I thought about the Muppets. And I, this is a vibe, so don't correct me if I'm wrong. This is just going to be true, and you're all going to nod and agree. But okay. The, okay. Uh, Tim Curry hit his peak at the same time that the Muppets were just, like, just past theirs. They're both at their zeniths at the exact moment that CRTs were at their maximum ability as far as TV goes. Okay, so I'm think, nodding. You think about, you think about Tim, the movies Tim Curry blew up in. And where CRT TVs were right before we started to get LCDs, <laughs> LCD screens, and uh, the and the fact you get just that little bit of blur of the of the of the scan between pixels coming together, it would make the Muppets look a lot more natural and their movement feel a lot cooler. As you get like some you know some afterburn from that same ray on the screen, and uh, Tim Curry was just there when <laughs> when that's what all movies needed to look like because. Because people had CRTs at home, and in theaters you could just do it on you know twenty four millimeter or whatever technology. Just you know what? Cut in you doing an impression of me here talking about theater movie technology because I don't know shit. And, and no. just be like, oh yeah, to be great point. No, it was a really good point. It's just you cleared your throat in the middle of you talking. <laughs> it's just a normal cough. I don't know. Hey, can, 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 you gotta. Can, you need another take on that one. 
You gotta give Harry the sample of Cat's horrible burp. Oh yeah, I got I got that saved. Do you want me to send it over? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was just really funny. That's a phenomenal point. Yeah, as as things have gotten more and more high res, that's probably necessitated more like th th these like outrageous CGI budgets because people are worried that the you know like seeing a seam of a puppet or like seeing like a a rock that isn't painted just right yeah. you know it's like oh that will shatter the realism of our movie and these movies just kind of necessitate you knowing that you're in on the gag already yeah crt filming era you just rub vaseline on the lens and say look you're beautiful yeah <laughs> we're gonna give you the um the daytime soap opera uh sheen and vignette oh yeah and that's just the capability of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and that's nothing to do with uh, any sort of styling we were going for with the cinematography. It's just You see it on, uh, I think, 32 or 64-bit pixel art, too, where if you arrange it that certain way, the blur of a CRT will take a single pixel and let you blend it into like a point for this jagged stair-steppy shit we see now in high depth. That is really fast. I wonder if there was a death of the TV movie because like high def just made it so you can't keep up with the budget requirements for I don't know immersion or whatever they want to call it. Probably. I believe that. You know, cut it in. Say yeah. It, put in a cut of me saying really good points about that here. Um, <laughs> I don't I mean, it probably also has to do with just like the rise of like cable television and streaming because you could do tv movies when you know you had just like the network channels plus like four others in hbo because people would actually watch it someone yep. made it you know you make a made for tv movie now which they still do i guess there's still like lifetime movies constantly oh hallmark yeah yeah, yeah. big time uh christmas movies Ugh. seem to be like I mean, those cost like $30 to make, yeah. and they pull in $100 million each. They grow Mario Lopez's in a fat. You can just go down to the brewery and get one in a keg, and then you've got a made-for-TV Christmas movie. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> he's like in that um, embryonic fluid that like Mewtwo was in. Oh, and yeah. then just when one of them dies, they just hit the side of the vat with a hammer. <laughs> and then a new everyone open. Yeah, it's it's really funny to have a movie that's just like so beloved with so many people's childhoods. And then you go, you know, you're like, oh, what, what made this movie special? And then really the answer for it is just watch it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's it's really tough because there's... It's a it's just a funny movie. There's, yeah, there, there's like, no notes to take on it. Jimmy yeah. and I had the same discussion. We both started taking notes, and we were just like, I'm just writing down bits. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny that our next movie, which is just north of 20 minutes long, no. I have as many notes for it as I did for the hour and 40-minute Muppet Treasure Island movie. Cut I watched was 16 minutes long. Am I missing seven minutes of surrealism? No, no. You, you missed opening and ending credits. Okay. Like, anyone cares about those. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> who, who cares who made these? Mm -hmm. Some guy named Bunuel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bunuel. <laughs> Louis, Louis Bunuel. <laughs> Louis Bunuel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that Louis Bunuel guy. <laughs> hey, he's real weird. Are you trying to transition to Unshi Andalu? Because I got more notes. Buddy? Hold on, no, right. I'm going to read this first. He's right, going to power through. All right, uh, I want my inn to be whimsical, the same way that the Muppets Inn was. Not a single shot in there was square with the floor. Every single shot in that inn was at least 10 degrees off kilter. It's going to tie into my new pharmaceutical startup. It's called Four Whims. It's a, it's a whimsical <laughs> hormonal supplement for millennials who are far too cynical and need medically induced childlike wonder and imagination delivered 50 milligrams at a time. 
there is serious risk of priapism, though, so be aware of that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I remember for uh, as a child, I remember forwarding through every time Jim Hawkins the kid sang. I did it again. Uh, fuck this movie. <laughs> Uh, oh, fucking blind pew. He's a he's a blind fiend. I believe they prefer a visually challenged fiend. <laughs> so yeah, I wrote that good. one down. Uh, my dad called me Jim Jim Jimmy Jim 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 throughout my entire childhood because of this movie. Love love that man. Uh, and also the most relatable line I had in the whole movie was when Rizzo and Gonzo are standing over dead Billy Bones, and they go. We are standing in a room with a dead guy! <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what I would do. I would flip my fucking shit. Are you kidding? Oh, I really liked when they're all tied up to the posts um, and with the pig tribe and they're all singing and Gonzo's singing along with them while everyone else is terrified. <laughs> Just oh like God. an absolutely dough-headed person. Oh yeah, and God. then the ongoing joke that they had like several times in it where they're like, I'm just a rat, and he's a. And you just be like, whatever. He's a yeah, whatever. I'm a Gonzo. <laughs> oh, I did learn this on the IMDb. Uh, the most expensive part of the movie was building the entire pirate ship, um, because they kept getting uh, plundered by Spanish privateers who were still under letter of mark to sink them. Uh, I like the fact that they had a real elephant instead of a Muppet elephant. That would have broken my immersion if it was a Muppet elephant. <laughs> um, Long John got a big one. Miss Piggy thinks so. I had that written down. Uh, just such a vibe at the end of the one where they're like, Love led us here. And then me and the boys are just throwing around piles of gold at each other and hugging. That's where I want to be every weekend. Um, Jimmy, you were so much better at podcasting than I am. I'm, these are just the notes I took, man. Also, I knew I had to be good at it. <laughs> You're being very kind to me. I love you. Jimmy was running simulations. I was running simulations. Yeah. Uh, you know that. You know that replica AI that'll sexually harass you. Oh yeah. We Jimmy trained everything. one to be. Jimmy trained one to be exactly like Harry. Oh. So, so that he can bounce all this off of it. Just <laughs> slipping into my dumb hick voice, being like, I really like movies. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy being like, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, finally, last note. Okay, so you can go ahead and cut as many of these as you want. They're all whatever. But uh, <laughs> this one was the, uh, the the vibe that I got. I was transported back in time to the peak experience with this movie. Um, it's when we were in the back of my parents' 1999 conver- high-top conversion van. The kind with like the pilot seats in the middle and the back rows of bench. It's got, it's got that uh, plastic dark wood paneling all over the walls and there's headphone jacks for every seat and there's a little tv a crt that's maybe like a foot by a foot just glued to the roof of the car uh, open the top so the kids can watch it in headphones and shut the hell up for long trips because we would take my dad uh we would squat at this one lake where my dad kind of knew the person who owned the land <laughs> Um, and so we would we would drive this conversion van for like three fucking hours up into the middle of nowhere, and we would drive up the driveway to get to the land we were squatting on, and it was a mile and a half long, and we all got excited when we saw the driveway, but it was so rough and like essentially wilderness. We we regularly had to like get a tow strap out of the back of the car, uh, and tie it to a fallen tree. And then my dad, with four children in the back, or three and a pregnant wife, would drag the tree like it was a like it was a quad bike with this <laughs> ancient conversion high top van. 
with the wood paneling and the carpet on the inside. It was a carpeted, it had shag carpeting on the floor <laughs> in this van on the inside. You were in the fuckmobile. I was in the fuckmobile. Um, and it, everything from the back of my parents' seats backwards was moist and damp and sticky. It was just, it was, it was the milkmobile, but the tank, they didn't quite clean it up before they stuck in carpeting. And that's, that's how they transported us around. And we played this this movie up on the CRT, essentially on loop. It was this, it was iRobot starring uh, Will Smith. Will Smith? Yeah. Oh my god. And it was, uh, and the Spongebob movie later when that came out. But yeah, iRobot and this are deep in the pantheon of the one and so anyway, we would go up to this this land that my dad would squat on, and that's we... the worst double feature. <laughs> <laughs> really, iRobot immediately following that the SpongeBob movie. <laughs> we didn't even like iRobot that much. The VCR broke in the van, so we could not get it to eject. So we just watched it over and over and over every single weekend for like two years until my parents got a different conversion van. That's how I stopped watching iRobot on road trips. All right, so, okay, wait, wait. Last bit about us squatting on that land. Um, the trailer that my dad abandoned there one summer, the bottom rotted out, and uh, all six of us on the giant king bed that we were sharing fell two feet onto the forest floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, oh, man, that was a great time. I loved uh, that place. That was, that was a cool time. I also God, burned my head so funny. really bad in kindergarten, and it looked like I was holding a fleshy tennis ball because I my palm burned so bad <laughs> that it put one giant blister. And I popped it because I forgot that I had it, and I went to swing on the monkey bars, and it just exploded <laughs> above my head. Is it raining? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that time, it was actually mostly drained, so it was just like a, like a scrotum that was hanging off my head. But you get it. <laughs> God, would you burn your hand on? Just slap the stove. Oh, it was a it was a Heineken branded grill because my <laughs> my uncle worked as a beer distributor, and so he got free merch all the time from the from the you know the brands that would hire him. So he you know he only needed so many grills. So I think once he got his third, he gave my dad a camping grill that had the Heineken star way across the whole thing. Um, and I being like five or something ran and sprinted and I tripped and I caught myself uh, with one stump that was next to the campfire and my other Ah. hand I caught on the top of the grill Um, and my dad said uh, he could hear my hand sizzle on the top (laughs) oh my god which was only because my hand was like sticky with something. It wasn't my flesh. It was it was like some shit I had on my hand or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. But you, yeah. You you were a child, so yeah, naturally yeah. you are as sticky as like yeah. flypaper. I had been appropriately tossed in salt, pepper, and olive oil before they let me run around the campsite. <laughs> and then, uh, but I, I remember he he rushed me over to the lake and put my hand under the water, and I thought I thought, oh god, creatures will be inside me from this. <laughs> <laughs> Which also is, like, not what you're supposed to do if you get burned. Oh, really? What well, you definitely not in lake water. Uh, That's just asking for an infection. It's just like, put it in the algae. It's green, like salad, which is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the end of my... Uh, that's the oh, end of my I, I have a, a, 
a Jimmy and uh, pirate related one. Oh fuck! Uh, How fresh... do you have a Jimmy and pirate related? Because freshman <laughs> college when we met uh, thirteen years ago. Jimmy got scurvy. <laughs> it was his first time Jimmy. living alone, and he just didn't eat fruit or vegetables. Yeah. What were you eating? Not fruit or vegetables. Yeah, I was on the college meal plan, and so I went down to the meal plan every day. And this was before I had a big a big stomach problem too. So I was I was 120 pounds. Holy! And I, and I, I was five eight, and I put a, or five nine, I think. I don't know. And I put away. It's okay. I'll, I'll cut in where you say you're six foot two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cut it. Cut in where I'm. Uh, uh, JD, look up tall guy. <laughs> hey Siri, Google tall man. Yeah. Siri, turn safe search off. <laughs> Oh, man, just like role playing porn where it's just pictures of belly buttons. Like, this is what you see if you suck dick. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's that's my new fetish that I'm setting up. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's scurvy because I would go into the college dorms and I was 120 pounds and I was super small and I knew I wanted to get bigger, so I would get like three or four plates of food. Josh, if you remember this, and it would just mm-hmm. be, it would be fucking burgers, fries. Uh, I even avoided pizza because I was like, that's too bready. Um, and so I just essentially ate meat and bread as much as I could for, you know, about three months. And then at the end of it, I was, I started getting really dizzy all the time and my my gums were bleeding a lot. One of my legs fell off and I had to put a peg there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then, uh, I was like, I've never had my gums bleed. I didn't even floss or anything. Uh, and then I had an orange and I, I remember I remember being like, <gasps> I was like Neo waking up in the goop of heaven because <laughs> I had one orange. I was completely better the next day. You need so little vegetables to be fine from scurvy. <laughs> That's such a funny thought. You being like one of like six people on earth that yeah. are here to get scurvy. It was so bad. That's like that's like getting leprosy. Yeah. It's like, how the fuck did you get leprosy? Exactly. You oh, get kissing this. an armadillo. It's... Yeah, well, you know, I was gonna say, if you run an armadillo farm, you're definitely a leper. Uh, I was gonna say that scurvy's even funnier because you like almost have to do it on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with modern food, how do you not get enough vitamin C? Seriously, with all the hormones we stick in everything that we eat now, like oh, yeah. somehow not getting vitamin C is so funny. It's really good. You gave yourself Jordan Peterson syndrome. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. If you want more Jimmy Pirate lore, uh, there's a couple sailing stories and the time that I got fired from being first mate on a, on a pleasure cruise ship. That was cool. I think oh, we should do... Bad influence on children. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, I think that given that Muppets Treasure Island is your favorite movie, I think yeah. tell every pirate story you got. <laughs> um, uh, my dad loves boats. At peak boat in our house, I think there was eleven boats that were between. How many of them worked? Yeah, none of them worked. No, two, two worked. The two that worked were the pontoon that my dad got from a garage sale, and the speedboat that he stole from his brother. No, his cousin. <laughs> Uh, the rest of them were largely like barn finds or whatever, and they would. And so at peak boat, he had a sailboat in the driveway, a second sailboat in the driveway. 
Uh, the roof of our garage was mostly masts and sails that he was saving for when he got a really big sailboat, a scow. Um, he had a canoe and two mini sailboats that were always set up next to the cabin. He had a paddle boat that he would set up and lean against the garage. None of these ever got in the water. Not even a single fucking one. Except for that he also had a 14-foot aluminum fishing boat. It was called my putt-putt boat that I got to drive with. That was very exciting. Your upbringing is, like, identical to, like, most people in Florida. Fuck. Like, having, like, a dad who just has, like, 30 boats that all have, like, more holes in it than, like, most cheese. Oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to my dad's boats, any holes in goal. As far as, like, Jimmy learned how to do fiberglass right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you... That's how you ended up in, um, like, an engineering role, is you yeah. got so used to patching your dad's boats. That, no <laughs> joke, like, that is actually how it fucking happened. That is exactly what no happened. <laughs> yeah. So, it was all, so, yeah, boating for us, was like keeping floating patches of garbage entertaining was how we, would, how we would enjoy boats. It was a great time. I forgot what I was talking about, so. Oh, yeah, I got fired from a sailing ship once because they were, like, they were up in some Great Lakes thing, and they were like, yeah, summer job, be a first mate on our little boat thing, help us sail the big boat. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do that, that's cool as hell. They had a two-week trial period, and they sent me home, because they thought I was a bad influence on their seven- and nine-year-old daughters. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> These fucking what druids. What does that even mean? These motherfuckers wouldn't have any processed sugar at all in their entire sailboat. And so I had to sneak aboard uh, Bit-O-Honey's. I snuck a bag of good honeys aboard, and over two weeks, I rationed them once a day, where I was digging them out like I was uh, I was doing a Scholz Zenitsyn novel, just desperately trying any kind of joy or substance, while these these druids kept me prisoner on their boat. They didn't go to That's church. So far, they didn't allow any added sugar in any of their foods. Most of the foods was bean paste. They brought a bucket, a five-gallon bucket of peanut butter on board for us to keep as rations and eat. And they, and when we, when we were hanging out, they didn't believe in any screens. There was no screens at all. This was the year Game of Thrones came out, and I brought up a laptop with it on there. And they looked at my laptop like I had like killed a small child and brought it in to eat in front of them. They were not happy about it. Anyways, because I was singing dirty limericks while we were sailing is pretty much why they weren't happy about me being around the doctors. That's so funny. Yeah. Like, how dare you explain what a meme is to my daughter? Exactly. Exactly. It was it was the dirty version of uh, Molly Malone is what I was singing. It's not even that dirty. You just say she's a big lady. Yeah. <laughs> right, There's too much pirate stuff. Let's talk about movies. All right. So I think that's a perfect end to uh, Muppets Treasure Island. Uh, I don't think I need to ask you guys if you recommend this movie. Ten out of ten. Yeah, it's a it's a Muppet movie. You can watch. There's like I think six Muppet movies. Five of them are good. Uh, so just watch watch any of them. What's the bad one? It, the it's not really bad. It's just the newest one. Yeah. It's just oh, like the Seagal one. Yeah. It's just like not as good as the others. Uh, I do like to imagine it's a Steven Seagal Muppets movie. <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> just judo throwing all the yeah. puppets. He does the judo throw and Kermit flies across the room and hits a gong. <laughs> <laughs> They're like in a pool hall and everything. Mm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. God, that's so funny imagining that with a goatee. There's like a Putin Muppet. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> so uh, this perfect transition to... Uh, me, me talking to you guys about Oceana Andalou. Fuck yeah, babe, let's go. All right, so 
my first thing that I wanted to go into with this is how did you guys interpret the movie? Um, I didn't, because here's the thing. So I, I took French for like five years, and I've been to France twice. And uh, that's just what it's like there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't shake hands with any Parisians. You will yeah, get they ants all, on you. They got ants coming out of their hands. It's, <laughs> it's wild. Um, the number of times I had my eyeball sliced with a razor, uh, a lot. Like every cafe you go in, that's how you pay. No, not me, man. I could count the number of times I've been had my eyeball sliced with a razor on one ant-covered hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy because that's typically a UK thing mm. to get got in the eye with a razor. Oh man, was that like a Napoleonic exchange, like a cultural <laughs> reversal? <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, um, I found it enjoyable to watch, but it was. Uh, it did kind of make me feel like a baby, or I was, or like a like a, when a dog watches a TV. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's just That's like so this is a yes. this is a series of images that I for some reason find pleasurable. <laughs> oh yeah, this was like being functionally illiterate and opening the Bible. Feel <laughs> <laughs> like the shapes of these words are so nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're both right on that. Uh, the a big part of early surrealism is that. There was no real through line. Uh, surrealism uh, took form as almost like a countercultural type movement. So um, this evolved alongside uh, artistic movements like Dadaism. If you guys have heard of that, yeah. is, this, is that um, the, the the? I know the urinal. The paired <laughs> paired cultural movement with Mamaism. Yes. Boom. <laughs> we got them. <laughs> Keep yeah. that shit in. Do not. Do not. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in uh, the remember in 2012 the major league gaming montages. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a full nine minute beep, audio edit. Damn son. Yeah, damn son. Mom, get the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so surrealism. A lot of this was countercultural to French society. Sick. So you ended up with. Um, a lot of these really interesting artistic movements that uh, didn't really have substance. And I think that surrealism, as much meaning as we try to apply to it, because, you know, like Salvador Dali being an artistic giant, mm -hmm. he was, and, you know, like his art uh, being some of the most recognizable pieces of art in the world, mm -hmm. um, a lot of it's aimless. And I don't know where I stand on it because the surrealism just to give you a really 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 short history on it um basically the surrealists took the teachings of freud mm -hmm. and like how uh, our unconscious acts with the conscious world and then made art to uh emphasize that to explain that mm -hmm. so all throughout this movie the interpretations that you have on the movie are unique and they're yours and they're also correct because mm -hmm. that's how your unconscious reacts with the conscious world and I think that that is a very simple cop-out to saying I didn't really have an idea when I was making this imagery. Um, but it's still a lot of good fun. But what I loved about Ushian Andalou is... Uh, so, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this yet. Uh, Long-time listeners of the Mystery Movies podcast know that I have uh, an infatuation with surrealism. And it's because surrealism is a fascinating movement full of some of the worst people on Earth. And uh, Salvador Dali 
while there is no definite connection to him, um, his cohorts very much are uh, allegedly implicated in one of America's most prolific serial killers. And you can see the ties to what was done to people and how women are treated throughout the course of Ancien Andalou. And specifically, femininity versus masculinity is treated in this movie. Uh, So, you two, are you familiar with the very famous murder known as the Black Dahlia murder? Yeah, she's from my hometown, dude. Is she really? Yeah, Black Dahlia is from St. Paul. Is she really? I did not know that. Yeah, they teach us. Uh, they teach us about her in school. <laughs> really? I'm not even kidding. They do, and yeah. Oh man. We never caught the person who did it. Mm-hmm. So there is a very specific um, thing in surrealism that you will see a whole lot. Uh, the, once you be, it's one of those things that once you become aware of it, you will not be able to unsee it. Mm. And it's that surrealism is probably the most inherently misogynist art movement that has ever been. It definitely did feel fucked up watching the movie and seeing that happen to, you know, someone in the first 10 seconds. Yes. So throughout this movie, we see uh, one of the first things that happens in the movie is a guy sharpens a razor blade. Mm -hmm. He takes that razor blade over to a woman's eye and he cuts her eye open. And they do very, very clever juxtaposition of having the the cirrus clouds uh, intersect with the moon. moon. Brilliant editing. Remember, this movie came out in 1929. This was like, this, this movie was groundbreaking shit. Oh my god. The moon had only been around for two years at that point. So, uh, all throughout this movie, what we see is we see a constant clashing between the masculine and the feminine. Uh, you can interpret this however you want. Uh, the way that I interpret it and the way that this movie, I argue, presents the argument is that women are merely objects that masculine uh People try to pursue and, if not outright mutilate, then control with their hands. Mm-hmm. And surrealism is built on a whole bunch of tenets of like Freud's psychology. But one of the things that is really, really evident in surrealism is the concept of your hands as a tool of fetish. And that is one thing that I think this movie did really, really well. Is there's literally a boy poking a severed hand with a cane. Mm. hands in surrealism you'll see it everywhere there'll be severed hands places and usually whenever women are mutilated in surrealist art it's from the shoulder or it's from the elbow and this ties in to the black dahlia murder because the black dahlia murder uh, i'm sorry i'm gonna be talking at you guys for just a couple Please, minutes i'm loving it the black so the black dahlia murder um i am very sorry for anybody who's listening to this podcast this stuff is going to be upsetting but i think it is important to know it because very very bad people have gotten away with doing horrible things to women mm. so black dahlia murder very famously is a woman who is bisected at the l2 l3 vertebrae in her back meaning that her lower body is completely separated from her upper body. And in the pose that she was in, the lower body is removed, and her arms are bent up like this. Uh, Well, you guys can't see it, but it's like minotaur horns, specifically the minotaur. The minotaur is something that pops up all the time in surrealism. The minotaur that guards a labyrinth, you name it. Oh man, did you go nuts in House of Leaves for that? Part? I have been losing my fucking mind in House of Leaves because of the uh, the parallels between uh, 
removing the Minotaur and like the conscious effort to uh, rebrand surrealism as a different package that isn't built on top of mutilating women's bodies. So this is all allegedly. Um, there was a very, very talented surgeon out of LA named George Hodel. George Hodel, it, before he killed himself in the Philippines, he admitted to 37 murders of women involving mutilating their bodies. Uh, George Hodel was a an integral piece for uh, the LAPD to... Uh, this is all according to a book that I'm reading, so this is all allegedly... Um, an integral piece of them, uh, their mistresses would have, you know, they'd have, uh, the police would have affairs with their mistresses and he would perform abortions or he would perform whatever he needs to do to make it so that stayed quiet. And the LAPD allegedly knew all about this. Mm. So when these bodies were starting to pop up everywhere, you know, Elizabeth Short being like the most popular one mm. with the Black Dolly murder, yeah. there were like five or six women, including a child, um, that were all brutally killed like this and the reason why i'm bringing this up is do you guys know the famous surrealist artist man ray no i'm a rube man ray uh did an allusion back to george hodel where it was a doctor and there is a woman who is separated and her arms are up like this and the doctor's tools spell hodel md um the surrealist movement this was george hodel's big um, his big art piece for the surrealist world and naturally the art movement that was all about controlling and mutilating women would culminate in him doing exactly that but in the real world as like his big artistic piece um, this movie showcases that in surrealism really really well because we see like the woman that there's a scene where she just gets like approached and the guy grabs her her breast and then all of a sudden she's naked. But all you see is his hand and her boob. It's the tools of fetish. And the whole time that he's doing that, it's a man in that moment viewed as masculine controlling a feminine woman. And it isn't until a faceless masculine man shows up that puts him in time out for doing it that he's back down and is viewed as feminine afterwards. This movie, to me is almost incriminating evidence for the George Hodel conspiracy is what I'm getting at. Um, so what I wanted to ask you guys about is in Unchien Andalou, did did you guys view the main character up until the point when he was in the bed as being purposely coded as being silly and a woman? When yes. he's like riding his bike? Oh, yeah. He was in the, he was yeah, in the main. He's, he's, he's dressed like a nun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's weak the whole time he's doing it. Right until a woman shows up and he has those bits of clothing removed, and then all of a sudden he's the masculine force in the room. Now, question for you: okay. How did you interpret the scene where he puts the ropes over his shoulders and is dragging two pianos with dead horses in it? Uh, I actually thought about it as uh, <clears throat> societal pressures that are supposedly like chaining men from doing that horrible stuff. Like so, that is the smartest interpretation I've ever heard. I think that they just did it because they had two dead horses and wanted to film with them. Yes. Well, no, they were, they were dragging uh, behind like the, so first was, I think it was like wooden planks or something like that. And then yeah. behind it was like two pumpkins, I think, or like two gourds, yeah. some kind of, so first it's like shelter, food. And the third down the line is two priests or cardinals, religious figures. And it's all like yeah. moralizing things to keep you from behaving like a horrific animal. And then on the back 
it's uh it's like dead horses which i don't fucking know but the piano was art right so art yeah and music, i'm all assuming these, like, so benefits of civilization that are like supposed to be holding holding him back from doing those horrible things that is literally the most intelligent read I've ever heard on that. That is so sick. Oh, yeah, you uh, you paid way better attention. To <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I I watched that whole thing almost like it was just an entire elab, like really elaborate and weird slapstick comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you said the that. The music to was me. the music was too jaunty, and then like the the frame rate or whatever where everyone's kind of moving fast like they always do in older movies it yeah. just it just seems so silly mm-hmm. the whole way through i'm really glad that's that so funny I'm really glad i actually funny. laughed out loud when uh when the boobs turned into a butt <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad you inoculated me with that thought josh before i saw it because hearing Harry go through all this like horrible nightmarish things that happened to women like as a direct result of this movie slash movement is giving yep. me the creeps. But the fact that Josh gave me the whole like, oh, I thought it was just a silly thing, just put it, it coated me in this water soluble protective layer so I could just waft through that film. Yeah, and there's there's nothing wrong with reading it as just a funny movie because it plays itself as comedy. It feels like a Three Stooges movie. Yeah. It's just knowing the background info of the Hodel case yeah, and yeah, everything. When you could hear, humming, 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 and then yeah, his exactly. eyes got slit open all over the dinner party. Yeah, him doing the whoop, 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 and he's about to go and like do the eye trick on the nipples, and it turns into a butt, and he's like, meow, and this always happens. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's wild about this is it's a coming together of like two of, if they aren't the premier surrealist film minds yeah uh they're definitely unlike if there was a mount rushmore of them both salvador dali and louis buñuel would be up there um it is really really wild that there is a 20 minute film that perfectly encapsulates like why the surrealist movement has as an art form the mentality of connecting the unconscious to the conscious is really cool but knowing that it was a means of just like abject massage like, like the worst shit oh yeah in the world i mean it's, it's a complete tell on the people who made it if that's what their subconscious being connected to your consciousness was. yeah yeah because the the whole thing is um freud's id like oh, the the, the, id, the ego and the super ego so, so you know it's like this little little demon that lives inside of you mm. that you know it's like the id is like the worst of you the super ego is the best of you and the ego is you so the it's like oh the mr bimbo who lives in your finger that's true <laughs> <laughs> the super ego is the um the who's the super ego in the muppets treasure island mr. tim mr. curry Rara. and the ego is a uh, fozzy bear yep <laughs> That's who you is, actually are, dude. Is Rizzo the rat? So it's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, Rizzo. So it was a movie where they were like, "Hey, what if intrusive thoughts was, uh, you know, the moral heights we could aspire to?" Yeah, or you know how we uh, all want to do this to women? No, I don't know. And that, then you actually. go, "What? What? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, not at all. What the what fuck I, is wrong with?" Uh, uh, read it on the Wikipedia page that I found kind of funny is like. Louis Bunuel and uh, <laughs> Louis Bunuel <laughs> and Dolly, like they purposely wanted to make something that would upset the like Parisian bourgeoisie, yep. and then uh, they were themselves upset because the Parisian bourgeoisie fucking loved it. Yep. <laughs> so as you can see, 
countercultural movement hijacked by far right tendencies. No, the 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 fuck you, man. The whole movie was insane far right tendencies. <laughs> We're gonna be countercultural, and then they just do far right shit, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> Weirdly, my uh my subversive comedy is only appealing to people who think it's fine to gut women. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh well, I'm sure it's nothing. Uh, they could, the closing credits just said checkmate liberals. <laughs> <laughs> just like in French, by your logic. But I do kind of like that that idea of the of these two like artsy like on the edge guys being like we're gonna do something that's totally gonna blow their fucking minds and then they're like we loved it. <laughs> yeah, just being like ah oh, fuck. If you guys want to know more. Uh, whoever's listening to this about the surrealist movement and its far-right connections and its overt misogyny and that led directly to at least 37 women's deaths. Um, Root of All Evil is a wonderful miniseries podcast that deals specifically with... Oh, here's the funny thing I didn't tell you guys about the George Hodel book. It's written by his son. Get the... Come on! Steve Hodel, who, who is a homicide investigator for the LAPD. Have you seen season one of uh, uh, American Horror Story? Um, no. No. I haven't. They, I've seen Oh, they are living in George Hodel. It's like a family that moves into George Hodel's old house and it's like haunted. That is so spooky. Yeah, because when you said that name, I was like, oh, I know that name because of American Horror Story. It's really, really baffling. There's a series of books called The Dahlia Avenger. And it is Steve Hodel, who's George Hodel's son, that's a homicide investigator for the LAPD. He has put out four books now, I believe. And each time he puts out a book, it's more evidence implicating George Hodel as the not only Black Dahlia killer, but the Zodiac killer. Holy shit, I was right. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, George Hodel is... Uh, the, the reason that they believe it's a Zodiac killer is one of the bodies that he left in LA was on Zodiac Street and he probably just thought that it was a cool name um, he was also part of the uh, things called the Lipstick Murders um, but yeah so I'm, I'm not going to get too bogged down in the true crime stuff because I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, reading the person on person stuff in true crime it's more like the interconnectedness of everything that I really enjoy so yeah root of all evil just letting you know, skip episode four and uh, read the Black Dahlia Avenger series. It is horribly upsetting. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, that's Unshian Andalou. I will say it did. I feel different having seen it. I feel like I, I uh, was exposed to stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. Thankfully. That's why I thought it would be the funniest double feature. It's like the wholesome Christ. nature. Yes. Of the Muppets Treasure Island, which even the bad pirates are talking about equality and sharing the treasure evenly. <laughs> and Ocean Andalou, the skeleton key of the surrealist movement. Horrifying. <laughs> so, now that I've pulled the curtain back and you guys have seen The Wizard, would you recommend Ocean Andalou to anybody? With the context uh, you gave? Absolutely. You need the context there. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. No, don't it's see short. it. It's short. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> watch it. Don't watch it. Whatever. It's free. It's 15 minutes long. If you have 15 minutes to kill and you want to feel kind of weird, um, but maybe laugh at boobs turning into a butt, go right ahead. 
Josh, you have the healthiest brain out of the three of us. <laughs> it's, like, it's so funny that, like, I'm, like, depressed over this. Jimmy's like, oh, my God, the whole weight of the entire world on this. And you're like, what if a boob was a butt? <laughs> I got that in the movie, though. Because here's the thing. I I, uh, I read the synopsis first, um, and which describes it really in great detail. And so when it's like, it shows a woman being groped from the front and then from the back, I was like, oh man, that's going to be a really, really uncomfortable scene. And then it's just unintentionally very funny. <laughs> I was like ready to like feel bad when that happened. And I was like, wait, that was silly. You made that very silly. Stop making assault silly. I don't want to be giggling right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to thank you guys for coming on. You're welcome. And talking, uh, I'll be starring in the uh, HBO series "Too Hot on the Roof" very soon. So if you are you really? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the main character in it. Uh, I'm across from Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, it's going to be airing later this summer, June 1st. Is the first episode's coming out. It's a 13 part miniseries. Uh, they're going to do an hour every day from June 1st to the 13th. Uh, and I'm going to get to the 13th. They're going to. Yeah, read the Fisherman by John Lagan, Langan, Langan. Langan. It's real. It's really good. Someone should. If you're listening to this, read that book. Two plugs. First, uh, the Mexican condiment tajin. It's a blend of chili, lime, and salt. It's good on almost everything. <laughs> it's really cheap. You can get it at like Aldi. I really recommend you go and pick it up and just try it on pizza. It's great. It adds like a zesty, kind of salty, citrusy flavor to stuff. It's really good. Yeah, it's awesome on mangoes. It's really good on mangoes. It's meant to be a fruit dressing, but I just put it on everything because I'm a dirty little boy. Um, and the <laughs> second plug I have uh, is also a condiment. This one's called Lao Gan Ma. If you've never had it before, it's a Chinese chili crisp where they fry chilies in oil with a whole bunch of other spices. Um, it's oh, like yeah. It's umami bomb that. in your mouth. It's amazing. You have to try it. It's got a million flavors. The two that matter are fried chili in oil and spicy chili crisp. Try them both, they're great. That's my plugs. It's funny because you have zero, f both of you have zero financial ties to either of those. Yeah, no, <laughs> just no. Like... I, just, I, I read that book recently and I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, and, it's uh, the best Lovecraftian horror since Lovecraft and it's explicitly yeah. not racist. So you yes. should read it. <laughs> I um, love when people oh. introduce themselves to me that way. It's, it works so well. Hi, I'm explicitly not racist. <laughs> yes, the, the the Remembrance of Earth's Past series, the Three Body Problem series by Sishin Liu, also excellent. Check Very it out. Very good. Very good. It's the best. It's 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 the best uh, sci-fi written this century. Yes, I completely agree. Um, Sishin Liu is uh, the best sci-fi author alive, probably, and um, he picked up right where uh, Philip K. Dick left off. And it's he he expanded it much more into a uh, considering physics type role, and I, I I think it's it's really cool. It's a really good mix of hard sci-fi and actual like what the joy of science fiction. Also, he has a very cool hang-up for a writer, which is important for every single writer. There needs to be a big hang-up with them. That he can. And that guy does not know how to write a woman. Yeah. The only adjective I've ever heard him describe a woman as is quote slender. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Murakami like, where it's just like she was beautiful. Uh, Andrew on um, the Patreon feed, we we did two Murakami uh, inspired movies, Drive My Car and Burning, oh, nice. and he said that there was an old tweet that talked about uh, 
that they're like, oh, and this girl breasts boobily down the hallway. <laughs> so good. So good. And that's kind of how Murakami writes women. And yeah, Sijin Liu kind of falls into that same trap, except he makes a very cool, empathetic character in the third book that I, I really liked her. Nice. Chung Xing. Yeah, it's yeah, to. it's wild. It's wild. He uh, he can't describe women except for as slender, but then he writes like some really incredible female characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, my recommendation: read *The House of Leaves* by Daniel Zielulski. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Wait, this is my podcast. Also, podcast. subscribe to my Patreon or some shit. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> subscribe to the Mr. Movies podcast and Patreon. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've known Harry for uh, for a few years now. Four uh, years I now, I listen right? to his pod. Yeah, I've listened to his podcast. Um, I do not subscribe, but you should. Yep. <laughs> I respect that so much. <laughs> yep. I sent Harry a box of sausages from Milwaukee, so I think I'm... Oh, Oh, yeah. So good. He's in, I'm, I, I'm paid up there. That's my Patreon subscription. There <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I guess that's it. I have no idea what ambience is going to be carrying us out, but I um, hope it's adjacent to the Muppets. No, I get John. It's, yeah. it's, I'm already ready. I got a plan. Ready? Okay. Smoke on the water. You got to get like the 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 version that doesn't need licensing. Oh yeah! So like, oh yeah! Public haze domain. on the bog, <laughs> <laughs> fog on some water. <laughs> you can play some Bob Marley on the Yeah, no, it's it's what this? What's on the what, closing credits of Muppet Treasure Island? <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo yeah. Soldier? No, it's, not uh, Buffalo Soldier, but it is Bob. Love Bob Power. Things. It's a little love power. It's it's it's, it's very good. <laughs> what a king! Yeah. All right. <laughs>